Hello, and welcome to the 34th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I'm joined, as always, by Josh Slammer. Crum, we've made it to the end-ish <laughs> of the first season of the podcast. The end of the races, anyway. The end of the cup season? That's kind of the, the end of our official season, maybe? Yeah, true, because we still have F1 races. Yeah, there's a few left. And we'll be, we'll, we'll still be here. Yep. Yeah. So three more F1 races to go. Um, so I guess first things first, scheduling note about that. Um, this podcast is obviously a week later than planned. Um, and next podcast will be on December 16th, which is after the F1 season is complete. So we'll kind of recap the final few races in F1. We have a couple of them to talk about in this podcast. Um, and we're going to try to get through it pretty quickly. Um, I've got some Forza Horizon or, and or Halo Infinite to play after this. So um, got to get back to those. Uh, but if you want to reach out to us uh, in the meantime or ask any questions, um, you can always follow us at iRaceWeGamble on Twitter. And, it's just- and definitely follow that. Definitely follow us on Twitter because we'll be posting F1 lineups and changes and things that we're making along the way. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Um, there's, like I said, there's three more F1 races to go after this weekend, um, or including this weekend. So we'll talk about this weekend on this podcast. But um, the final two races of the season, we'll just talk about them on Twitter. Um, if you want to get an idea of what we think are the best picks. Uh, going forward in those races. Um, And then also we'll recap all that at the end of the year as well. So follow us there, ask us questions, get our opinion about your F1 lineups uh, if you're doing that with us. And um, if you have some longer form feedback or questions, you can also reach out to us at iracewegamble at gmail.com. So in both places, it's just the title of the show with no punctuation um, at iracewegamble on Twitter and iracewegamble at gmail if you want to email us. Okay, before we get into F1, I did want to talk a little bit about iRacing, some of the recent uh, news events. Um, also, I did a, I did a race. Uh, I did a few races in the past couple of weeks here, so jumped back into that. Um, I decided to race. Uh, I raced in the NAS series, which is basically a season-long uh, series that runs the same length as the cup schedule and does the same races. Um, most of the time, they're half the length of the real race. But what I didn't realize when I was signing up to race at Phoenix is that I signed up for a full-length race, all 312 laps. Um, so that was that was a lot more grueling than I expected. Um, I guess it, it and the other kind of major crown jewel races, so Daytona 500, uh, Coke 600, I think maybe even the Bristol night race. Could be wrong. Um, all of those are like full length races. So I did one of those at Phoenix. Um, like I said, really tough. I got to the point where I probably could have won that race, but uh, made a mistake in a restart and uh, t- got into the wall, got into somebody else when I was in third place and basically wrecked the entire field. Didn't feel great about that, but <laughs> still managed to come out of the race with a positive safety rating. So I'll take it, I guess. Um Monday Night Racing has had a couple of events since we last were on the podcast. Uh, They raced at Las Vegas, I think in the Cup car, potentially, maybe the uh, Xfinity car. Um, And then they also raced at California in the, uh, I think it was a super late model car, which is like basically a car that you would race on a short track, not a giant two-mile oval. Um, But it was a little bit entertaining. I I didn't catch all those races, but I saw some of it. Um, Kyle Busch finished second at vegas and finished first to california so apparently he's uh preparing for his sim racing career once he's done with uh cup racing i guess i don't know also uh the road to pro contender series has had a couple races um homestead was a couple weeks ago california was this week uh at homestead it was a lot of long green flag runs um was happy to see malik ray finish 11th and blake mccandless get 15th um, I am currently halfway or maybe three quarters of the way through watching the California race from this week. 
Um, I know that Donovan Strauss wins, but I'm still uh, waiting to see how others finished. Um, I know Blake McCandless got an early incident, so he didn't do well. It's probably going to be a drop for him. And then uh, Leak Ray looked like he was in about the 20th, 20 to 25 range. So probably a good enough result for him um, to be top 20 in points at the end of this, which as a reminder, that's how you get back into the top series uh, in iRacing as, a, as far as it goes. Uh, as far as NASCAR goes, I should say. So yeah, that's that's what's fun going on with iRacing. Um, I probably won't do as much of it in the off season, uh, but uh, we'll see. Maybe these long winter nights will have me uh, back on iRacing. We'll see. All right, let's jump into the F1 races that we saw. Um, again, we got two races to talk about here. First, real quick, I'm going to get through the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, it was relatively uneventful, aside from the start where Botas totally botched. I think he was starting on pole, and after the first corner, he was spun out sideways because he got beat on the start, and then which really isn't his fault. Like um, I don't think he had a bad start, but like people just drafted off of him, and it was a close three-wide battle into turn one, and he kind of backed out of it to not get into an accident with his teammate because Lewis Hamilton's still going for a title along with Verstappen. So he kind of backed out of that battle and then got just barely tagged from behind by Ricardo. So um, didn't have a good race. I had him in my lineup. That didn't work out well. I also took a 10-point penalty for switching my lineup around so much. Um, that also didn't work out. The one thing I did do that was probably the smartest thing was turboing Perez. He seems like the top candidate for turbo um, right now. So um, we'll, we'll get into our lineup construction for uh, Brazil and beyond in a bit. but. Um, I really think Perez is a strong driver to have just because he's the best turbo driver, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I, Josh, you made up more ground on me in uh, Mexico, another 24 points. So after that race, you were ahead of me by, what is it, like 270 points or so. Um, so still got a big lead on me, but that was before I used my tur- or my mega driver in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, Josh, but I, how much of the Mexican Grand Prix did you actually get to watch, or did you have any thoughts about that race? So the fact that Verstappen won and kind of extended his point lead. Uh, the only thing I really saw, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, was the was the quick highlights, and I'm a little bit fuzzy on it to be perfectly honest with you because we're going back a couple weeks here. You said that you. I gained points on you in that race. Yeah, you had 195. I had 171 minus 10 more points because of my uh, changing too many things at once, basically. Um, so, yeah, Verstappen, you had the as the winner. You had Norris as your turbo, which was fine because he scored 24 points. Um, Sainz did fine with 19 points. Russell with eight. Ricardo had the worst day for you with zero points. Uh, but Red Bull as a constructor got you 74. So those are really your Red Bull drivers. Um, both for Stappen and the Red Bull Constructor, I guess I should say, uh, made your lineup worthwhile and got you enough points to extend your lead. Yeah, that Red Bull Constructor is hard to go away from. Um, but when we get talking about Qatar, there might be a actually big change coming to my lineup. Um, but when you were like, oh, you gained more points on me, I was fiddling around with my lineup for this week. And I have the leaderboard pulled up, and I was like, wait a minute. This looks way closer than I remember it. So something's about to change when we uh, get to the Sao Paulo, too, huh? Josh, what happened in the Sao Paulo uh, Grand Prix is that Lewis Hamilton on... There was a whole whole bunch of controversy. Oh, right. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, we can't, we can't skip that. No, 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 we cannot. What happens is that Lewis Hamilton, uh, I think before qualifying, um, updated his uh, internal combustion engine, which is one part of the engine because it's a hybrid. Um, And then he goes out and qualifies first, looks like a rock star, had an amazing lap, just dominated everybody. Um, After qualifying, they come in the garage. The cars are in what they call like park ferme, which essentially just means they're can't be touched. You're not supposed to make any adjustments. They are as they are. Um, and 
a lot of times drivers after a race or a qualifying session will go look at another driver's car and kind of like poke around just to kind of get an idea of like, oh, is this wing? Like, what does this look like? Why, you know, how are they using this part? Whatever. So Verstappen goes up to Hamilton or goes up to his own rear wing and kind of like messes with it a little bit, just like kind of moves it. Not even moves it, like looks like he's putting pressure on where the DRS thing opens. And then he goes over to Hamilton's car and sort of does the same thing. And he's then moves on. Um, and this was all captured in like a fan video right after they got out of the cars, um, which, like I said, pretty normal, like not something that I would have been like, oh, that looks sketchy. I would have just been like, yeah, that's people do that. That's fine. Um, but the problem was that Lewis Hamilton's car then failed a post qualifying inspection which basically was to test whether the DRS, which opens on the straightaways during qualifying and also opens during the race when they're close to another car in front of them, uh, certain straightaways at least, basically that was opening more than it should have, which would be a speed advantage. So they're like, okay, we're disqualifying your car from qualifying. You don't get to start first in the sprint. Um, You have to start 20th. So good luck um and he gets fifth which was remarkable in my opinion like it's not the length of a full race passing is hard in general period this track lends itself to more passing which makes it a more exciting track in general um so he ends up uh yeah he, he finished qualifying p5 so he started p10 so he went from 20th to fifth and then had to start the real race in 10th um, so if you consider between the qualifying race and the real race, he had to pass 25 cars, which is not common in F1. It's not a passing sport very often. Um, we've seen plenty of races where Botas gets stuck back in the pack and finishes like 12th or 8th. And I mean, granted, Hamilton is a better driver. I think as a seven time world champion, that makes sense. But uh, still, I did not predict that he would finish fifth in the sprint race. I thought. You know, I, I think I told you what's the over under of him finishing ninth in this race. Um, and I was kind of thinking that would be a fair number. So I actually have pulled up exactly what we said to each other. <laughs> you you told me all the info about why the penalties and everything were happened, and I told you that he would still finish first or second. But you said you said doubtful, not enough laps. He'll lose out in points. He probably would have scored too. But then you said P5 was impressive. And I was like, holy shit, he qualified fifth. And then you broke it down for me. And I said, I'm still saying top two. So let me be clear. When I asked you where you think he'll finish and you said top two, I said doubtful because I thought you were talking about where he'll finish in this sprint. Oh, I was talking about where he'd finish in the actual race. Yeah, we had our wires crossed a little bit there, but in retrospect, it makes sense now. Yeah, all right. That, that Understandable. I'll give you a pass. Thank you. <laughs> I was so ready to brag about it. Well, to be fair, I didn't expect him to necessarily finish first or second in the race either. Like, my prediction was he'd, he'd get, like, eighth or ninth in the qualifying race, start 13th, and then get to, like, third, maybe second. Maybe second. I didn't expect him to win. No, he's he's just him and Verstappen are both just too good. Yeah, you can tell they're on another level compared to everybody else. It's I I wonder I wonder what sportsbook odds would be for betting Verstappen Hamilton one two in the championship. No, I just said they finish like any any single race. Okay. Just yeah, to, I don't know. the two of them both finished top two. I mean, it's, I, it's, I bet it would be negative. Well, maybe, but I, if you look at, I don't think it's happened that often. I know it's happened lately. Um, real quick, if I look, it happened the past two races, the past three races, but before that, not at Turkey. It did happen at Russia. Okay, it's happening more often than I thought. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's happening quite often. Yeah, it didn't happen very often in the first half of the season, I'm going to claim. And I'm wrong again, as I just quickly scroll through this. There's like, yeah, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) Yeah, I I bet it would be negative. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Now looking at the (laughs) 
past results. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's wild, and for fantasy, you have to have one of them. And yeah, just take for you got to just take for Stappen. He's so much cheaper. Yeah, yeah, it really comes down to just the value thing. The fact that it's a it's a slow leaning stock market. I almost feel like these prices should carry over year to year too. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Um, but yeah, I, amazing race, really fun to watch. Um, Hamilton had, oh, I guess this is the other part I forgot to mention. Um, so all that happens, and as I said, Hamilton still ends up qualifying 10th and finishing first, but he had some really good battles with Verstappen. Um, usually the way it works at this track, uh, you basically come off the last corner or one of the last corners, and then it's full speed all the way to turn one, and it's really long. So what you try to do is either build up so much momentum through the draft and through DRS that you can make a move on the guy going into turn one, or you get so close that he has to defend, and so he takes a bad angle into turn one, and then you can basically take a a wide angle, kind of like the high line at an oval track, and basically you come out of the all the corners with a lot of speed, and then there's another straightaway where you can use DRS, and that's where you kind of can make your complete your move and really get a run on the guy. So the first time Hamilton does this, he doesn't have as big of a run, and he just gets to the outside of Verstappen as they enter. I want to say it's turn three, um, and Verstappen basically charges the corner so hard that he comes back under Lewis, and then basically forces both of them off the track because he's going too fast into the corner. And Hamilton was pissed because he thought that shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be able to basically track limits. Like, you were driving me off the track. Um, The stewards uh, investigated it, didn't decide to take any action. And then, I don't know, some 10 laps later, uh, Hamilton gets a better run on the same straightaway and completes the pass a little bit quicker, ends up winning the race. Um, And then... (laughs) I found out, uh, actually, Sarah was the one who told me. She was like, hey, did you see that uh, Toto Wolf and Mercedes are uh, protesting uh, Verstappen's move in, during the race because of new evidence? And they were doing it on Christian Horner's birthday. Really? So, yeah. So basically, Mercedes was like, hey, Christian Horner, fuck you and your driver for trying to run us off the road, and we still beat you, and also we're going to protest that you did something you shouldn't have, even though I don't think like, I think the most that would come out of that is maybe they give Verstappen a five second penalty after the fact. And I still think he wouldn't even change his end result, but I think they just wanted to basically wanted to poke at Christian Horner to basically upset him. Actually, I think he would have lost a position to Botas if that were the case. So I don't, I don't know if there's been a result to that uh, protest yet of any kind, but I'm going to look into it now. Um, but yeah, a lot of crazy stuff happens, basically. I gained a ton in Brazil because I had Verstappen as my mega. Um, so real quick, before we talk about that, I want to talk about the changes I made to my lineup. Um, my changes going into that race were I dropped Botas because he was not proving out to be worth his price tag. Um, if I'm going to pay 23.4 uh, for Botas, I think he has to finish top two probably to be worth it um, because you can't be turboed like uh, Perez can. So like you take a $5 million discount to get down to Perez, but you can turbo him and that more than makes up for if Botas finishes ahead of him. So you kind of need Botas to win or finish second, I think, for that to be worth it. So I dropped Botas. Uh, I picked up Gasly because he's been probably the best value play lately. He's the only driver outside of uh, the McLarens and Ferraris to even challenge up in the top five section so um he looks amazing so I, he's only 11.9 so i dropped botas for gasly um and just to save money i dropped signs for sonoda i do still really like signs but to make this work i had to um move down to sonoda which i think is de- a decent value if he avoids an incident which is not often as a rookie um which i did all of that because that allowed me to upgrade from alfa romeo to red bull because i think i need to have the red bull constructor if I want to have a shot, it's, I feel like the value is too good. Um, you know, if we look at it, uh, Red Bull's 26.6 million, Verstappen is 25.6, and yet Red Bull gives you 30 more points than having Verstappen. So 
from a strict value perspective, the Red Bull is like a must have, I've realized. So those are the changes I've made. Also just went all in on Verstappen as my mega because it was a sprint qualifying race. I'm going to try to find the scoring details for how much he got me. I'm trying to find, there's a breakdown of how much he gets you for just the sprints. So, uh, so he got nine points for sprint second place. Yep. Two points for sprint beat teammate. A point for finishing. Three points for fastest lap. And minus one for positions lost. So that's 14 points he got me just from the sprint, which is multiplied by three because he's my mega. So really, you can think of that as uh, 42 points. Um, So 42 points I got. Or I guess if I couldn't mega him, I would have still gotten the 14. So we'll back it down to 28 extra points. So I got 28 points from mega and him just from the sprint um, additional. So already worth it there. Even though he finished second in the race, that still was good enough. He qualified first, which gives me a bonus, lots of bonus points. Um, he, he had lots of, of bonuses in his lineup. And yeah, worth 61 points this week, which um, again, if we look back at Mexico where he won, he was worth only 46. So 15 more points finishing second as opposed to finishing first the previous week. So it was the right time to Mega Verstappen. I'll, I'll stand by that. So um, he, got, he got 42 points from... 42, we said? Yeah, from, from just... From, from the sprint? Yeah, because if I multiplied by three. So you got 183 from, Hamil- or from Verstappen. Yeah. When I Megaed Hamilton at Russia, I got 156. So that was a difference of 20, 27 points. It was forty? Yeah, it was forty-two points. So I would have still needed to make up seventeen. Yeah. So. So yeah, that forty-two points is what puts it over the edge from being a sprint race. Yep. We said that earlier in the year, and then Russia. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the strategy that we thought was right turns out to be right. Yeah, I'm glad that that proved out because I didn't do the math beforehand <laughs> to make sure. So, so yeah, a, a really, really great play. with. So if you haven't used your Mega yet and you're playing the F1 Fantasy, do we have another sprint qualifying no, race? That's the last one of the season, which is why I was like, I have to use it here. Um, no. Yeah, so I, I would say if you want to use it on one of the final two, I might even use it at Qatar if you have Hamilton or Verstappen. Um, I don't think Hamilton's worth the points necessarily, so or the cost, I should say. So it's hard for me to really have a good suggestion. Um, yeah, so, co- cost benefit is definitely Verstappen. Yeah. So, so yeah, that gained me a ton, and now I'm only 90 points back on you. And I like the fact that I have Perez as my turbo driver. He's the best turbo lately. He got me 72 points as a turbo driver, whereas Norris only got you 26. Um, you could have turboed signs and gotten 54, which wouldn't have been pretty or which wouldn't have been bad, but it still doesn't compare to Perez. And it feels like the Red Bulls and Mercedes are kind of a full step ahead of everybody else at this point. Um so, Josh, you, you mentioned some potential lineup changes. I'm curious, what, what are they for uh, Qatar? Well, now I feel a little bit nervous about the changes that I've made. But oh. uh, with, your, with your Red Bull constructor, Chad, I've been riding them all year, and I actually took them out. Don't love it. Uh, for this. So, I... Switched out Red Bull and I put in Ferrari. And that okay. saved me saved me some dollars. I will I will put it this way: if you're gonna change someone else, that I think is the right team to switch to. And then I got rid of Ricardo, which also freed up quite a bit of budget. So I had the budget that I could go up to. Uh, Valtteri Bottas. Mm. However, 
I did not make my lineup changes the correct way. Um, and I was indecisive and accidentally saved one time. So I am now oh. in the penalty if I change this lineup back to Botas. Oh, no. But I have Perez. In. I I mean, I like Perez more than Botas, if I'm being honest. So I take out Ricardo. I take out Red Bull. I add Perez and Ferrari. They get added to Norris, Sands, Verstappen, and uh, Russell. Yeah. And then I move my turbo off of Norris to Perez. That makes sense. And it it's an odd lineup because it actually leaves me with 5.1 million budget remaining. Yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, you don't have to spend all your budget. As we've said in the NASCAR FanDuel world, it, I think it applies here as well. Yeah, and if Turbo Perez scores more than regular Botas, yeah. there's also the factor of not having Norris turboed anymore to play in. But, yeah, this isn't a math podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's the uh, the changes I have in now. Okay. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, I have some changes myself that I made, didn't save, but made before this podcast. Um, I'm keeping Verstappen, Perez, and Red Bull um, for sure. I also like Gasly, as I mentioned, but I think Ocon and Sonoda could change um, because I both view them as sort of like really low potential. and so in order to get something out of them, I'm going to swap them out, I think, for Signs and Mick Schumacher on Haas. So Mick Schumacher is basically a throwaway um, because I'm trying to get uh, all my points out of uh, Signs. Um, but at the same time, I'm a little worried that if... Because I think Ocon could have a good day. Um, Sonoda could have a good day, but he's just he's bit me too many times. Um, so I'm kind of trying to stick to something that feels safer to me. Science feels safer, and um, Mick Schumacher is going to qualify 19th and finish 19th, and that'll be that. <laughs> so yeah, that that's my plan for the weekend. Um, I'll post this in the show notes what our plans are. Um, also, as far as Qatar goes, they qualify 9 a.m. Saturday, so if you are going to make any changes, lock them in before then. Uh, race is also 9 a.m. Sunday, so it's back to the early morning races because they're out in the Middle East. Um, that's where Qatar is, right? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I think we're done with F1 now. Are we, are we ready for NASCAR chat? I think so. Okay, cool. Um, the championship. Yeah, yeah, we have a champion. It was exactly who we all thought it would be, right? So I thought it would be anyway. Yeah, you did make the very appropriate uh, prediction, which I guess I was thinking maybe it's a Harvick of last year's situation where he doesn't complete the job in the playoffs. Um, and with 68 to go, I, I think I was pretty close to being right. Um you know, Chase Elliott had the lead over Denny Hamlin. Uh, the five and the 19 were kind of looked like the lesser of the, the teammates um, at that point in the race. Right after that, uh, pit stops start happening. And right as they start happening, a caution comes out. Um, and it's, ve- it's just time perfectly for Truex where he gets off pit road, uh, doesn't go a lap down. So he doesn't need to pit under caution. He already made his pit stop. And he gets to basically cycle out to be the, the leader. Um, so then it becomes the 19 in front, the 11 of Denny Hamlin behind him, and Larson all the way back and forth. With 31 laps to go, that was still the running order. And I thought, man, Larson's not going to cap off this epic season with a championship. Uh, but then the caution comes out, even though the 11 of Denny Hamlin was starting to catch Truex. And I think if it goes green there, if there's no caution at 30 or 31 to go, I think Denny Hamlin wins the title. Um, it seemed like he was better than Truex in the long run, but maybe I'm wrong. And then they came down pit road, Josh. Uh, and then things changed. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, they changed drastically and they changed in the number five pit box. 
they came in. Larson was in fourth. Got to the pit box, and then his pit crew had their second fastest stop of the entire year. <laughs> and and he comes out in the lead. Uh, I think that's what you call clutch. Yeah. Uh, and by those guys, all a very nice watcher. Yeah, like you, you owe them all a nice, nice gift, yeah. and probably dinner too. Um, that that pit stop probably won the race for Larson. He was able to get out into into the lead, extended a little bit, uh, and then about four or five laps to go was when they finally started really catching up to heavy lap traffic again. But it was looking like the 19 was really, really closing down five. I'm wondering if you kind of saw the same thing as me, because personally, I think the 19 would have caught the five if there were a few more laps. Yeah, um, I, I, it's hard for me to say, because... I feel like Truex tried to take the fight to him early in that run, and then he kind of cooled off and sort of ran behind him and then tried to make a push late. Um, but it is very hard to pass at Phoenix. It For me, it's interesting to think, what would he have done? Would he have turned Larson or anything like that? I don't think so. I think they're, they both respect each other a lot on the racetrack. Those two drivers, Larson and Truex, they've never had issues before. Um, I, I think Larson is one of the cleanest drivers that I've seen um, in terms of so sort of knowing what he can dish out and what he can get. Um, there was a famous finish at Chicagoland between him and Kyle Busch where he tried to slide under Kyle Busch and come up in front of him and didn't work out. He ended up getting into the left rear of Kyle Busch when that happened and got him in the wall. And Kyle Busch went into the next corner and put his bumper to Larson and after the race, they both gave each other thumbs up. It's one of those rare, like racing incidents where both drivers were like, yeah, we kind of rubbed on each other and did some stuff, but um, I got what I deserved. And Larson was very gracious in that. So I don't think they would have turned each other. And I think Larson still wins, but I think the bigger difference was that caution late um, really throwing a wrench into things. And, I mean, credit to Larson's pit crew. Like, like you kind of mentioned, I feel like it's uh, it's almost like the offensive line coming in clutch for his quarterback. And yeah, he definitely needs to buy those guys something. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I differ a little bit. I think I think if there are seven, maybe eight more laps, I think the nineteen would have caught and passed the five. Wow. I think I mean, he just seemed like he had a little bit better of a car. Um, and maybe some of it was influenced by the lap traffic that obviously Larson was hitting first, mm-hmm. but to me, it just felt like Truex had a little bit more speed and a little bit better line around the track. And I think he actually probably would have caught him. Yeah. I, so in my opinion, I don't disagree too hard with that because we've seen lap cars play a part in many races. Um, so very much could have played a part in the end of that one. Uh, and I, I think for me, it's it's mostly that the five would have made it too difficult for the 19 to pass without moving him. Um, and I think that by the time that the 19 has a good enough car in the long run, it would have been like 20 or 30 more laps. So, it, it, you know, ultimately, if that last run is 80 laps instead of 30, I think he'll definitely get them. But 40 laps, 50 laps, I don't think it would have mattered in my opinion. But I can see where you're coming from. Either way, great race for Larson. Great work by his pit crew. Um, I feel like if anybody deserved to win it this year, it was probably him. Yeah, he was he was the guy all year long. He capped off what Hamlin and Harvick couldn't finish last year. Um, just a all around really good season. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I think uh, that probably is a wrap on the 2021 season, huh? Yeah, yeah. We can we can talk about our lineups, but before we get into that, I, I think we need to look a little bit ahead at 2022. 
Um, since we usually put our hot takes in this section of the podcast, uh, let's let's create some hot takes for who does well next season. Um, I think first questions first. Who who do you think wins the title next year? Is it a hot take? Do you think it's a cold take? What do you, what do you got for me? I think it's lukewarm. I think it's going to be Denny. Oh, okay. His first title. Yeah, I think. That makes uh, it bold, I see. Yeah, it makes it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit bold. Maybe it's a, just a, a a slight simmer right now. We're starting to steam, um, but I think the expansion of twenty three eleven is going to kind of give him a little bit of extra motivation and kick and potentially give him one more ally car there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to work out well for him. I think he's going to get his first. I can't argue too hard against that. He's always in the mix. So there's no reason why he couldn't. Um, Actually, I'm going to go with Larson just because I think the success carries over. Um, I mean, granted, the pit crews might stay relatively the same, but they have different lug nuts now. The cars are going to be different, but I think they're close enough to what we have this year that it's still going to be uh, the the same guys we saw this year, honestly. Um, Maybe a few new names. And I was going to ask you, I mean, Larson, I think, isn't much of a hot take after this year, but, you know, whatever. Um. I was going to ask you who you think wins the most races, but I think the more interesting question is who's in your final four? Oh, wow. So for you, we're going to start with the 11, obviously. You already have him. And I, I can go first if you'd like. Um, uh, for me, let, let, let's go back and forth. Okay, yeah. So I think the five, and then after the five, I probably need a Gibbs driver. And I'll go 18, even though I think he's not going to like this style of car. I think last time there was a big switch to a new car. He won like a shitload of races, and I think that'll be enough for him to make it to the final four. Um, So I like the 18 and to your point, Toyota has more developed race teams now. So maybe that'll help him in some way. We'll see. What about you? Anyone else besides Denny you got in mind? Uh, Definitely the five. Okay. And I'm going to do the same thing that you just did, and I'm going to say the four. Ooh, okay. I think there's going to be a bounce back here for Harvick, and I actually have my fourth one if you just want it now. Yeah, tell me. Uh, the 19. Okay. Yeah, wow, no 18. I'm offended. Drivers are going to drive, and Martin Truex is just a driver. I I see him being one of I think he might come out like a rocket next year. Um because I think he's just going to learn how to drive the new car. He's going to pick up the nuances quicker than anybody else cuz he's just he's just a driver. Um yeah. and that's actually kind of my final my my four there. I just think the four of them are just really really good drivers. Yeah, I mean, you've got the eleven and the five, who were the two I would get. I would say dominant drivers this season. Um, Hamlin didn't get as many wins, but when it came to the playoff time, he did get those wins, and he was great in the regular season in terms of points. So Hamlin has shown that he is still very strong. I'll, I'd put him in my final four as well. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Blaney in the twelve. Um, I feel like he progresses a little bit further every year. I think a new car gives him an opportunity to you know, make that next step. I also think Penske probably is looking at that new car more than the other teams, maybe potentially um, in terms of R and D because they sort of went out this season with a bit of a whimper. It wasn't much that they had at the end. So that tells me they weren't putting as much into their R and D for this year. And maybe I'm talking out of my ass completely, but if I'm just applying my own, sort of lens to things. I think the 12 and the Penske guys will be a little bit better next year. Um, and I expect they'll make the final four. So we both have the five and the 11. Um, you have the four and the 19 and then I have the 18 and the 12. So we'll, we'll see. We'll maybe we'll check back on this. If we're horribly wrong, we won't talk about it ever again. Yeah. And we both have one Chevy, two Toyotas and a Ford. Oh yeah. it's a great point. 
Um, Josh, do you think there will be any surprise winners or su- surprise playoff drivers? So somebody who makes it into the playoffs who you wouldn't expect or somebody who makes a run in the playoffs that you wouldn't expect, like makes it to the round of eight and you'd be shocked or something. Um, so does Eric Jones count as a long shot, a surprise playoff driver? Yes, definitely. I would assume he would have to win a race in order for that to happen. Yeah, so I'm saying he wins either Daytona or Talladega. Sure. Or Daytona a second time. <laughs> True. Um, I also think uh, I think Austin Dillon's going to get a win. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. He wouldn't be overly surprising. No, but he's, he's definitely... Uh, you know, not a given. He'd be he'd be like Eric Almarola this year. Yeah. I agree um. Then what was the other thing you said? Like a surprise driver to get to the top eight? Yeah, I was just thinking like either someone who gets into the playoffs who you wouldn't expect, or someone who makes a run in the playoffs that you wouldn't expect. So I would even say like if you thought the three of Austin Dillon could make a run to the round of eight, like that would be you know a little spicy. I think Austin Dillon makes the playoffs probably um, might win a race. That wouldn't shock me, but he's not a given. Uh, the 43 winning race is definitely spicy and would put him in the playoffs. So is there anyone else you can think of that might make a run or do anything impressive? So how, how spicy do you feel like uh, Keselowski being in the final eight is? There. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to make that spicy take. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's I, like some people might disagree with me and say that, oh, no, that's not that surprising. It's Kozlowski, but he's going to a team that literally has not been a top 16, top 15 team in a while. Yeah. So, and and I think that's around, the aspect that makes it spicy. Yep. hundred percent. Um, I agree, I agree with you on the 43 being a potential surprise winner or playoff driver for that same reason. Um, he could win at the restrictor plate tracks. I think he's a good enough driver. And I think with how much the the field might kind of sort of have more parity because of the next-gen car, um, I think the 43 has a better shot to run better and get that win, maybe even at a Bristol or a short track or something like that. Um, so I like the 43. I also like the one of uh, Ross Chastain. Is that right? Is he driving the one next year instead of the 42? He is in the one, yeah. Yeah, I think he's somebody who could not only win, and I don't think it would be that much of a surprise, but I think he could make a run into the top eight. Interesting. I mean, we saw him this year in the playoffs look like one of the only guys that could contend with the playoff guys in the first four or five races, right? Yeah, um, so he's going to be with a new team, too, because he's going to Trackhouse, and they got the the one from, uh, oh, help me here, Chip Ganassi? Yeah, so that, that's my thing is, really, if you think about it, he they bought Chip Ganassi, which is the team that he's on, so I would guess that he's keeping a lot of the same people in terms of his crew chief and things like that. Yeah. So I, as much as it's a it's a... Team change. He's still a Chevy. He's probably still got mostly the same guys working with him. And I think he impressed this year late in the season and he carries that into next year. And would you would you say he was the new equipment rookie of the year this year? Oh, for sure. And and rookie and rookie of the year is Briscoe. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean you could you could make an argument that Briscoe was more impressive than Chastain because Chastain is just getting a new equipment. It's not his first year in the cup series. Um, but I, in my opinion, it's, it's very different racing for 30th than it is racing for a top five. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think Chastain does something to impress. And you know, I love that. Oh, I know. Yeah. I was surprised you didn't list him, honestly. Um, but I, I can understand if you want to, you know, don't want to jinx him or whatever. Uh, let's see. Who else do I think might surprise? Let me take a look at my spreadsheet and see if I can find anyone on the lower end of the list that I would jump out at. Um, 
Maybe Corey LaJoy. Let's say Corey LaJoy gets a surprise win. Cool. Um, I hate that take. I don't care. <laughs> where's, I think Spires is going to win. Huh? Where is he going to win? Not short track. Probably Martinsville. All right. I mean, he he could also win a restrictor plate track. I can't rule that out. Uh, yeah, short track was about the only thing that you could say to make me go, oh, all right. Maybe, yeah. Uh, it's it's a long shot for sure. Um, no denying that. But I think that Spire has kind of like gotten into the sport to get to this next-gen car. I don't think they're in the sport to try to compete with these guys this year or the previous years. They've improved for sure, but they've never been a true, true contender. Um, and I think that they were kind of just biding their time waiting for this next-gen car to to invest money into the team. So I think LaJoy could end up impressing a lot more. Maybe he even makes the playoffs, but doesn't win a race. I could see him, you know, piling up enough top 15s to just make the playoffs. It's possible. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Real quick. I, before, I think it's probably less spicy than saying that Chastain's going to make it to the top eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's your yeah. spiciest take, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Chastain and hold on. Let me actually note which of these is which. Uh, makes playoffs. So we, we both think the 43 wins, right? Yep. And you think the three does what? I think he's going to make the playoffs. I, I mean, I also think he'll probably win a race at some point next year but those two kind of go well could go hand in hand we saw what happened this year where there's a chance that only winners made it yeah got pretty close okay and then you said brad k making it to the top eight yep which is probably my spiciest take of the bunch i agree yeah the fact that we agree on the 43 makes it less spicy, I think. Um, mm. Before we jump into the ideal lineup and then we'll, we'll close out this podcast and talk to you in another month, um, I do want to update what I was talking about with Verstappen and Hamilton. Uh, the FIA stewards are supposed to announce a decision on that uh, Friday, so tomorrow. So by the time this podcast, podcast goes live, they might have an answer for you. Um, also worth noting, Antonio Giovinazzi is officially not coming back from Alfa Romeo, or not coming back to Alfa Romeo. Uh, there's going to be a Chinese driver that takes his place as a rookie next year. So I want to give you that update. Um, and it's, yeah. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. I will retweet anything, any big news around F1 uh, regarding all that stuff. So follow us at iRaceRegamble. Um, and let's get back to NASCAR real quick. The ideal lineup... Uh, it had the 5, the 19, the 10, the 4, and the 37. Uh, Josh, was that is that similar to one of the lineups you had? Chrome, I was so damn close. <laughs> I was so damn close. In our drafted lineup, I have the draft results sitting in front of me. And I'll talk about them when we get to that point. <laughs> what a tease. Um... Yeah, excellent work by you in the draft. You beat me, even though I had a winning draft lineup. It was 2x for me. The 9 of Chase Elliott as my lock was decent, but um, would have been better if there wasn't some late cautions in that race because that propelled Kyle Larson up there. Um, But yeah, still my draft lineup with the 9, the 3, the 19, the 43 were all good. The 8 of Reddick wasn't that too great, um, So, but he didn't drag me down too hard. So. Draft got a 2x. My cash did not work out too well. And one thing I want to say about cash lineups, I'm convinced that like nobody's entering cash anymore, and that's why we never get lineups that fill. So I have to enter like five cash lineups, and maybe like two of them get filled. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I don't know if it was like end of the season and just interest waned um, or what, but hopefully next year, J2500 and onward, there's more cash players because I feel like that's a little unfortunate if all we can do is play tournament. Um, although my tournament did lose as well. I had the 10 of Almirola in it, um, which was in the ideal lineup. 
I had the nine who was okay uh, as my lock, but the 18, the 43, and the 48. Uh, the 48 was awful. It was the worst pick you probably could have had for expensive drivers. Actually, was. Um, or no, second worst to the 24. But I mean, I figured he had enough upside. He did not. The 43 was just not quite good enough. Uh, Josh, you had the right lock. Um, I think you wanted the nine, but you ended up with the five, and it worked out for you. Yeah, I did want the nine. Um, but the five is absolutely good for me. Oh, no, I didn't want the nine. I had the, no, first, I had the first pick in the draft, and I took Larson and locked him. You did, but I asked if he was your I, – I thought I asked if he was your lock, and you said maybe not, and then I picked the nine, and you're like, all right, well, I'm I'm going to make the five my lock. Well, we'll probably never know because it's definitely not recorded anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible to find. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go back and listen. Anyway, yeah, the lock of the five was great. He was in my tourney, my draft tourney. I went 6x on it. I finished 54th out of 5,700 people. I just missed that top 50. Um, But I'm going to go through my lineup, and it was the 5 of Larson, ideal lineup. The 10 of Almirola, ideal lineup. The 4 of Harvick, ideal lineup. The 37 of Priest, ideal lineup. And then I had the 18 of Kyle Busch, which affected me from being the perfect lineup. And the worst part about it is if we look at the draft order, I took Larson and then you followed it up with Elliot and Dylan. So the 19 was sitting there for me to take. (laughs) But I went with the 18 instead because I wanted to save a little bit of money. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't need to save that money. <laughs> but I'm not complaining about a 6x day. No. And, and Kyle Busch wasn't a great play, but only because so many other expensive drivers were better. Um, but still, yeah, you still ended up 6x. That's pretty incredible. And this yeah, is why we say listen to us, but don't listen to us. And then the tourney lineup that I entered was the 11, the 4, the 5, the 99, and the 14. And 14 was absolute garbage. Um, so I ended up losing on that tournament. And then my cash just didn't fill this year, this week. Actually, <laughs> kind of just didn't fill this year. Yeah. That's not, that's not wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, like I mentioned with the cash stuff, I think um curious to see how that turns out starting next year with uh, FanDuel, but hopefully we see more activity there. Um, Bylow candidates, I did okay with the three of Austin Dillon. He did just fine for me. I mean, if you look at like points per dollar, I was at 8.4. You were at 8.5 with Almirola, but he was in the ideal lineup. So great choice by you there. Um, The best value plays were obviously the 10 and the 47, or no, sorry, the 37 of Priest. Uh, the 21, the three and the 42 were all decent. The 41, the eight and the 43 less. So, um, and then it was, it was a strange week for the steer clear for expensive drivers because, uh, Byron was the worst steer clear and he was still 23rd on the like board in terms of scoring points. So he was the worst expensive driver to have, but he wasn't very far down the board. Um, the 48 was also a bad pick. So surprisingly, two Hendrick drivers did the worst, followed by two Penske drivers in the 22 and the two. Um, not sure what that tells you, if anything. Maybe just some uh, resources being pointed at the guys who still have a chance, I guess. Um, and then, Josh, you mentioned your draft. Scored you 347.8. Really close to ideal. Just a... Uh, 20 or so points off the perfect lineup score. I was another 20 points off of that myself, even with a decent lineup. Uh, the 9, the 3, the 19, 43, and 8. Got me 326.5. Not enough to overcome you. You beat me 2-1 to one in drafts this season. Um, didn't love that myself. <laughs> Wanted to make some of these last few weeks like worth more points or something, but it wouldn't have helped me at all. <laughs> uh... 
I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Um, yep. I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. Go, going back to our locks and our buy lows, I'm wondering how quickly you could do this. Sick. If you got the, the 9, the 5, the 3, and the 10 into a lineup, uh-huh. what would be left to round that out? Um, let's see. One sec. See if I can do this. Oh, okay. That does work great. Um, five, nine, ten, and the three. That leaves you with. Hold on. Uh, 5.7 left over. Um, which then means you probably so have you to go could, to three. You could get the 37. Yep. And let me give you the point totaled here in a second. That gives us a total of 351.1. 351.1, which outscores my tournament lineup. Yeah. So better than 6x on tournament if you take our bylaws, our locks, and another driver that we mentioned. Let's find out where that would have been. Uh, top 50 for sure, right? Uh, I'm pulling up the history for that race. I've got that as a 8, no. Yeah, 8x. No, 16x? 16x. 351.1. I'm looking at somebody who did that. Not quite that line. No, close to that lineup. Different version of it. The score is three fifty one point one. Three fifty one point one. Uh, would have it's, been. It's a score for me. Twelfth overall. Yeah, twelfth overall. Which is sixteen x. In the tournament I'm looking at. I'll look at another though. Yeah, 16x. That's that's pretty good, guys and girls. That's that yeah, that's actually pretty incredible. <laughs> so we were so we are all over this. Yeah, we by the end of the season we figured it out. Um, both so of our draft lineups time. both of our draft lineups cashed. Uh-huh. That was a pretty good season for gambling and a really good way to kind of cap off the whole year. Um, I think that kind of wraps up Phoenix. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess I'm going to just throw out some end of season one thoughts. Um, I know we got a few podcasts for the NASCAR off season. We'll keep following the F1 and uh, definitely follow us on Twitter at iRaceWeGamble because we'll be sharing updates and uh, talking about our lineups and everything moving forward. Uh, But for the season wrap, uh, Crum, I want to just thank you for driving this whole thing. It's been an absolute blast for me sharing Thursday nights with you and putting this together. I think we brought a lot of really good insight to the world of motorsports, uh, specifically from you. Um, I have really gained a, a respect and a really vast enjoyment from watching motorsports now. And I look forward to the race and you've been a huge, huge influence on this. So I thought season one was great. I'm really looking forward to season two and all the props to you uh, for making this what it is and being the huge driving force behind this podcast. Wow. Well, um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, means a lot. Uh, it's, it's really cool and special to me to be able to share this kind of passion of mine. Uh, and uh it's really honestly it's amazing to see how far you've come in 
uh, how much your understanding of the sport and motorsports in general has grown. Um, I'm glad that you've enjoyed it and I'm glad that uh, you appreciate, you know, kind of what we're going for and doing each week. Um, yeah, it's just been uh, it's been a special great time. Um, I look forward to Thursdays because of this. So um, looking forward to the off season. Uh, no promises, but the plan is to potentially have a website, something like that going. Uh, and like I mentioned, uh, we'll probably check in like monthly in the off season with a couple random things. But uh, again, thank you so much for the kind words and um, joining me on this uh, little journey we have. Um, I guess, is there, are there any more weather reports that we need to look at before we uh, close this one out? Well, of course, we got to look at Doha, Qatar for the F1 race. They're racing Sunday night there, starting at 5 p.m. their time. And we have a forecast of 76 with clear skies. All right. So we'll have a, a hot night race. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll be curious if, uh, wonder if we'll see a lot of drivers go with the hard tires. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Um, it is a new circuit. I don't know if I mentioned that at any point in this podcast. I I got feel like we got very jumbled up in what we were talking about all podcast long, but uh, yeah, keep that in mind, and um, we'll uh, see you in a month or so. Um, but again, feel free to reach out to reach out to us at iRaceWeGamble on Twitter. Thanks, everybody.